it's going to be a full-on attack on entrepreneurs. They're going to view us like rappers. They're going to be like, you did that. You stupid. This is dumb. Y'all the reason that society is where it is. You're bloodsuckers because it's going to be so many bitter people who are trying to be entrepreneurs right now, but they ain't, they ain't built for it. They're not built for it. You can't, like you just said, how are you going to get to the podcast industry? you don't know how to make a money? Make no money. How are you going to be in the music business and you ain't, what? there's a free class at edX.org. edX.org, they got all types of classes. They got a free music business course. I've taken it three times. How are you not taking advantage of these free resources? Because you don't want it. You want all the fame. You want all the clout. You want the blue check. You want the likes. You want the comments. You don't want the grind. The grind's where the money is. And all that social media bullshit. Sorry for cussing. Hey, turn me up some. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier y'all gonna talk about it. No Deanna, speak that shit that everybody vouching. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant. I study millionaires cause I was born a visionary. You still believe in limitations, why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper I've been Chase the greatness. I'm stacking now and balling later. In the conversation, we strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments, and sacrificing temporary sh- for bigger blessings. Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state. I multiply my grind rate and I match the way I vibrate. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier, y'all gonna talk about it. No, Deanna, speak that shit that everybody vouching ain't no more excuses valid get up off the couch and get up in your bag to your bank account need an accountant what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the millionaire mindsets podcast i'm your host xavier center with my co-host d what's up everybody and today we got a we got another special guest. I think I think I'm really love this episode. This is a guy he had me on his podcast not too long ago, so I had to bring him on mine. And he's in the uh, music industry, and I think this is super important to have him on because it's a lot of people that want to get in the music industry. And what I love about our guest is he not only talks about the music industry, he talks about the business of the music industry. And in my opinion, I believe that's the most important part if you want to be in the music industry. So we had to have him on. His name is Dorian of Group 82 Music. He charted number three on the iTunes Top 200 Albums as an independent artist, y'all, as an indie artist. And I, if y'all know me, y'all know I love stuff like that. So we had to have him on. So welcome to the show, bro. Man, appreciate it, man. Appreciate you coming on my podcast, too. I haven't done an episode since yours. So, Whoa. so any, like... Instagram ads, Facebook ads, any attention we've been bringing to my account. When I tell them listen to the podcast, everybody been going You're to get so, 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 so you've been getting all them looks for the past. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it, man. So let's, let's get Hold right on, And before you go into it, I know our uh, listeners can't see it, but he's stunning right now. He got all the plaques up on the wall behind <laughs> him. His whole walk. <laughs> right, he got the plaques. I see the plaques, a million dollars, a million streams, all that. He got the plaques behind him. Man, they just got here last week. So you already know. Good. Hey, man, congr- <laughs> congratulations for real, bro. That's major. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. it. 
And just getting right into it. So for the people who, who may not have heard of you, they could have been under a rock. They ain't heard of you yet. Do you mind just giving a background on yourself? Yeah, man. So, um, I mean, just kind of summarize it a little bit. So my dad was in the military. So my parents are from Dayton, Ohio. And my dad was in the military. So he was in the Air Force. So we lived all over uh, Abilene, Texas. And I moved to Japan when I was six months. So I learned how to eat, walk, talk everything. My first school experience was overseas on the Air Force base in Japan. Um, at around four and a half, we came back to the States, we moved to Northern California, and then we moved to Dayton. And so I feel like that's when I kind of became an American. As weird as that sounds, it's like, that was the first time I was around both sides of my family. That was the first time that I was really integrated into American pop culture, especially black pop culture. Um, Cause at that time, the first grade, so man, I'm getting old, man. So what was that, 1990, 91, crisscross, right? Um, so that was that era and everything. And I had an older sister. And so I was really, really, I'm just so in love, man, with the early nineties from that just whole period. And then um, when I was 11, middle school, we moved to Indianapolis. And that was kind of a tough period for me because I had always moved so much and I was starting to make a name for myself in my parents' hometown of Dayton, Ohio, cause I don't know y'all background, anybody that's listening. It's one thing to grow up in a city where it's just you, but it's another thing to grow up in a city where your parents grew up in. And then your aunts is there, your uncles, your grandparents, like friends from, so everybody gets to know you. And so I moved to Indianapolis and it was starting from scratch. Like I didn't know anybody. Um, it was just me, my mom and my, and my dad. And so there like basketball was my indoctrination to everything. Cause first of all, in Indiana basketball is everything, but all my best friends to this day, I met through hooping. And my hoop career ended when I was a freshman because I'm built like a football player. I'm not built like a basketball player. And so it just wasn't going to happen for me. And so my whole high school time, man, um, I hated high school. Like, I was cool. Like, I had cool friends. It was whatever. But I just felt like I was wasting my, my time there. In Indianapolis, it wasn't a place that really purveyed culture as far as, like, art and music, especially rap, because nobody really made it from music. And even when... Like you start naming people that have made it from music from nap, like Babyface. People don't even know that he's from Indianapolis. You know what I mean? So it's not a. I see y'all shake your head. So it's. <laughs> so it's. Not I, a, I ain't know that, bro. Exactly. People <laughs> that make it out don't claim it. Vivica Fox, another person. I'm not about to name all these people, but anyways. So like, it becomes a thing where it's like, man, music, art. Like you got an interest in it, but who don't? Right? Who don't want to rap? Who don't want to make music? And I ain't seen nobody doing nothing. So. I went to college, I went to Indiana University, IU, uh, one of the best decisions of my life, not the debt, but the people that I met there. And then when I got down there, a couple of my homeboys, the twins, Darren and Devin Chapman, they were two of the most entrepreneurial people I ever met in my life. Like they from the hoods and that, they got brothers that's done all types of stuff. Like me and you talked about on your, on your podcast, on my episode, they had family that was doing the exact same thing, but they want to do something different. And they just really were my first business mentors, but they were my peers. They just told me, cause my nickname's Duck. They're like, Duck, yo, everything is money. These sheets, these towels, these blankets, this water bottle, this school, this chair, everybody getting paid off of everything. So just kind of reframe my mind on how I thought on things, but I still love basketball. So I'm like, you know what, man, I'm, I'm gonna try this basketball thing. I'm gonna try to get into the NBA as a video coordinator. So I cold emailed like 1300 people, probably called like 2000. Um, nobody was giving me a chance. And then one dude in college at Lee's McCray College, a division two school in North Carolina, he hit me up while well, I hit him up, he hit me back. He was like, yo, we got opportunity for you down here as volunteers, unpaid, we can get you some housing, we can get you some meals. I was 20, 
three. I was like, that's all I need. I'm good. So I went down there. Uh, we were terrible. We were two and 29. But <laughs> I loved coaching. I loved being around the game. That's what I did every day. Because before that, man, I was working at Sprint. And I was a bouncer at a nightclub. Like, I hated that. And so um, I parlayed that into getting into graduate school at the University of Central Florida down in Orlando. When I was there, I coached at Mount Verde Academy under Kevin Sutton. He's at the University of Rhode Island now. Coached there for two years. Then I went to VCU, coached under Shaka Smart. Uh, went to Jacksonville University, was director of basketball operations down there. And then I came back home and I coached AAU. When I coached AAU, we had a really good eighth grade team. Chris Wilkes played at UCLA, he was on that team. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., who's on the Trailblazers, he's on that team. Um, Justin Roberts, who's at uh, Georgia State. Paul Scruggs, who's at Xavier. So we had a really good eighth grade team. So I coached them. I was trying to get back into college, but it wasn't working for me. But I still wanted to get into the NBA. And so I took a job in Chicago for this company called Stats. It was in Northbrook, actually. So y'all, I know y'all don't really claim them like that. So it was, it was called Stats. That was the name of the company. And we got in at 10 p.m. And we got off at 8 a.m. Because we had to basically break down all the stats for the NBA front offices when they got there in the morning. And it was the worst job I ever had in my life. And it kind of made me start falling out of love in basketball. And that year I was turning 30. And I realized I dedicated my entire 20s to somebody else. And I was like, man, I got to take control of my life. And so I was like, the only way you can do that is to be an entrepreneur. So I started studying entrepreneurs. Everybody, the Forbes riches, all them, the people who weren't inheritance or something. So I was looking how self-made billionaires worked and millionaires. And I looked at the, at the black ones, at the billionaire list at the time. It was like Oprah and Robert Johnson. I think that might have been it. And so I was looking as either sports or entertainment, essentially. And I did the sports thing. I was like, all right, I could do the entertainment. I've always been able to rap. I've always been able to write. I've always had music in me. Let me try that. So start watching a bunch of YouTube videos, took a bunch of free music business courses, watched every interview I could possibly find on any rapper. And at this time, this is 2014, 15. So everybody who was doing radio runs, they would do YouTube interviews. So I was able to get so many gems. And um, I didn't realize how much that would pay off later. And I just decided, man, I just went all in. Like, I didn't pay my rent one month. I took my tax refund check. I bought a MacBook Pro, still in my closet. I don't use it no more. I got another one. Um, and I just taught myself how to make beats and taught myself how to rap, how to write songs, taught myself about the music business. And then that was, like, what started my music business career. But I was still working, but that's kind of what, like, set me up to what I'm doing today. Mm, that's a, man, that's a dope background, bro. I, I ain't know, I ain't know you did. That, all that stuff of hoops, bro. I did not know that. I don't know. I just assume, like, cause you you look like a football player, so I just assume, yeah, I just assume you had like a football background or something like that. So that's man, very interesting. Man, my dad was so in love with basketball. Man, he built like a football player too. Had he been in love with football, my life would have been totally different, man. But mm-hmm. man, I I loved coaching, dog. It's just, I mean, to to keep it real, it's probably one of the industries that uh is slow with progression, cause right. I don't know what generation is ahead of the baby boomers. I don't even know what they're called. Like people were 70 years old. Yeah, it's called, I think they're baby boomers. Well, whatever. Coach K yeah. and Jim Beheim, the dudes yeah. are still coaching. Yep. So, so you got them, you got the baby boomer people in their 50s, you got Generation X, and you got us. So I realized I wasn't going to be no college head coach for at least like 15, 20 years. I can't wait that long. I'm sorry. I couldn't do it. So I got out. Damn, that's real. I never thought of it that way. So, all right, so get into music. So I gotta ask you this, because you know, I know most people when they when they initially want to get to the music industry, the whole thing is I want to get a deal. I want to get a deal. I'm trying to get signed. 
So was that was that the way you were looking at it, or you knew like, hey, I'm going, I'm I'm going the indie route from jump. Nah, I wanted to get signed. That's all we knew. <laughs> I'm looking at Hove. I'm looking at 50. And obviously, at the time, I'm comparing myself to our peers like Kendrick, Cole, Drake, like Wale, Big Sean, Wiz. Like, they all had deals. So I thought that was the way. But I remember, like I said, watching them interviews, you would get little gems. People would spill the beans a little bit. And I remember when I was younger, man, going back to the early 90s, pop culture. I remember TLC at the American Music Awards, like, going off, but how they ain't made no money. I remember that clip where Left Eye was breaking down how they went diamond or whatever it was and they got no money. I remember Tony Braxton being on Oprah talking about she was broke. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, man, how everybody keep getting ripped off? And that's what made me learn the game. And once I started learning the game, I realized that the labels were set up so the artist is gonna be broke and not make no money. Mm. And so I kind of got forced into the independent route because my personality, who I am, my age, what I'm about, I, I couldn't work for nobody, let alone be signed to a label because they just want to control you. So once I learned that you could do all this stuff on your own and technology finally, excuse me, caught up because when I first got into the game, streaming was still in its infancy. It was still mm -hmm. kind of like, like the mixtape era. Once Spotify took off, it was like, oh, we really don't need them for that now. You know what I mean? So indie wasn't even an option, just kind of became mm -hmm. like the default thing. Mm, so we about to go deep. We about to, oh, go ahead, D. I see you. On, uh, you I see you want to say something. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just gonna ask you. So after making that decision, like, all right, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna chase the deal, but I'm gonna, you know, take this the indie route. What did that look look like for you moving forward? Like, what did that laying that foundation for that starts look like as far as you know what steps that you took? Well, what it was at first, I knew because I still wanted a deal for like probably two years. But I knew to get a deal, you had to have a brand. And I knew you had to prove, have to have proof of concept. And so I was reading about Facebook and at the time, Google Plus and Instagram and YouTube. And I'm just trying to figure out social media marketing and, and I'm studying everybody. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know Cole's story from crazy. I've never even met this dude. I probably know his story from age 11 on. I study Drake's story. I study Kendrick. I study Hope. And all of them basically in some way or another, it was mixtape, it was relationship, it was song, it was A&R, and then boom. And so I was navigating, trying to figure all this out. I'm looking at album credits. I'm looking who the A&Rs are. I'm looking at who people's lawyers are. I moved to LA. And so I'm reaching out to all these people. I'm in these circles. I'm meeting folks. I'm going to the events. I'm, next, I'm neck to neck with them. And I'm seeing, I'm just like, a, people ain't happy, and B, people are lying. People ain't talking about how they're supposed to be talking about it, and there's a reason not. So as I kept uncovering rocks, because that's the great thing about the social era, I realized they don't own nothing. I realized these artists who we love, most of them don't own their masters. And since they don't own their masters, they have no control. If you want to get signed to a label, more likely than not, you got to give up ownership. And I knew I never wanted to do that, because that was the big thing for me with basketball. I didn't own nothing. I didn't own a team. I didn't own a school. Only thing I owned was me. And so if I give up ownership of my music, I'm working for somebody again. So once I learned all that, I was like, yo, it's going to be nearly impossible for me to hold on to my masters and get signed unless I do like what Master P or Cash Money or Hove did. But they were moving so many units that was backed by dope money. Like I ain't selling dope. I ain't, you know what I mean, I wasn't moving units like that. So like I said, I just realized, all right, let me start studying Chance. Let me start studying Tech 9. Let me start studying 
early wins. Let me start studying these independent artists who I, some people never even heard of, but they making half a million dollars a year. Let me see what they doing. So like I said, it was more like a default option. Look, man. Man, we, hey, I guess, like I told you, I got so much I want to go over. Oh, yeah. hey, hey. But let, I want to take it just back to a, like a, a basic question that I know a lot of people ask and a lot of people, they still don't know, even if they want to get to the industry. I know a common thing people will talk about is they'll say stuff like, so how does an artist get paid? What is that based on? So for the people who don't know, could you just break that down for them? Yeah, so there's two ways basically to get paid off your music. You're getting paid off your royalties, you're getting paid off your publishing. And so the royalties is when your song gets played on Spotify, um, Shazam, anywhere, anything like that. The publishing, you get paid for the intellectual idea. So that's probably the easiest way that I can break it down. And so when you get sync deals or, and of course, when you get played on Spotify and all that, you get paid off of that. So those are the two ways that you can make money. So the more times your song gets played, you get paid. Anytime y'all hear music, whether it's on the phone, when you're on hold with Comcast, whether you're in the elevator, somebody getting paid off of that. So when you own the rights, when you own the masters, you are constantly going to get paid. And so that's that. But then you have the ancillary ways that you can get paid. Because if you try to live off your royalties and your publishing, like I said, you better be moving massive units. But merch, shows, that got shut down. But the main thing now is social media. Because you can do so much now, your music can be a marketing tool for you. And that's what I've done, right? Like, when, because I learned the music business and I would go on social media and I would talk to people about it, I realized a lot of people had this insatiable knowledge for it, but they ain't really know. So I was able to fill a gap because I'm black, I'm talking about it, I'm rapping, and I'm talking like them, not like everybody else who was on YouTube or Instagram at the time. They all were like rock people or they were engineers for 50 years like it's cool but i can't relate to you so people can relate to me and so i've used that knowledge to build my social media presence which in turn allowed me to get my music played more allow me to get more views allow me to get more streams and so that started picking up the royalty checks it's just like a non-stop cycle like you it's not a job music is not a job you can't just say i'm gonna put this song out it's dope I'm going to market it for a week and people are going to listen to it. You have to integrate it in everything you're doing. If you ain't marketing or talking about your product, how are people going to buy it? Like Nike and McDonald's still spend a billion dollars a year on ads. And they ain't got, and they ain't got to, but they do for a reason. Because if Nike stops and Under Armour and Adidas keeps going, they're going to lose market share. It's the same thing with an artist. So I just started integrating my music and all my social media stuff. And that really helped me continue to get money off of it. Mm. You want to say something? I was, gonna, I was gonna ask you. So, like, um, so going into the social media thing, were you primarily on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Like, what, like, where were you going with this? Man, it is funny. This happened like a day later, where I'm kind of grieving because my first social media love, man, was Periscope. Like, cause I ain't want to be no Instagram. Every rapper I'm seeing on Instagram, he in front of this car, he done rented with money. That ain't me. Everybody on YouTube, I'm seeing these high quality videos. I don't know how to edit videos. That ain't me. But one of my homeboys, David Gibson, at D1 Gibson on Instagram, shout out to him. He showed me Periscope. And Periscope is basically a live streaming app. It's owned by Twitter. Twitter just announced yesterday that they shutting it down forever. We need to buy that. Anyway, man, man, don't get me started on Periscope. But because I went live every day on Periscope, I got trained. Because I would just go on there. I'll tell the story. So David was getting married. And uh, my girl was in the wedding. So like we went to one of the first things, I can't remember what it was. 
And then I think we went to the rehearsal dinner. And at the first thing we went to, he was like, Duck, you need to get on Periscope. You would be great with it. I'm like, man, I ain't doing that. I'm not reading about that. I don't see that in no music business, nothing. And then at his rehearsal dinner, he pulled me to the side. He was like, yo, I'm about to show you Periscope. And he showed me and we went live. And it was somebody from like, you're somewhere in like Europe that had came into his scope. And they had said something. He said their name and, he, and they were like, hey, hi, David. I was like, how they know you? He's like, bro, they don't know me. But I'm live and I'm talking to them and they just find me. This, and if this was Periscope came out in March 2015. This was May 2015. So it was brand new. He was like, bro, it's early. You need to get in. I was like, okay, cool. So I went home that night and I went live. I was living in downtown Indianapolis at that time. And the way Periscope worked at that time, wherever you lived, it would give a ping to anybody else who was on scope that was close to that area. And so I went live. Some people started coming from, from Indianapolis, probably like eight or nine people in there. And I'm in there trying to be like motivational, whatever. And um, I'm telling people at the end, like, hey, I just dropped the album. It just came out. Go buy it on iTunes, whatever. Something that I was saying all the time, but nobody was buying. I went live the next day at Shay6363. As I'm going live, I'm in the motivational people. She's like, I bought your album. And I'm thinking she's talking to somebody else because nobody buys my albums. Nobody buys my music. And so I, I kept going. She's, and she typed in all caps, Dorian, I bought your album. I was like, what album? I was like, no one buys my music. And she was like, the album that you told us to buy, I bought it. I was like, what? Like, I can sell music that easy on here? So I was all in. So I just started scoping every single day. And I learned, and I didn't realize at that time I was being consistent. I was giving out content every day. I was giving value. Because think about Periscope, it's like a live podcast with an audience. You got to be able to, to hold that audience. Man, we'd be on there for two, three, sometimes four hours. I'm answering questions. I'm making them laugh. I'm just, it was just a conversation. And to this day, the people who was in them early scopes, they still rock with me. They still in my Instagram comments. They still in my YouTube comments. So because I got trained on Periscope, that showed me everything I need to know about social media. Consistency, having a brand. I call my, my, my fans the pond, like, because my nickname's Duck. So Male fans, duck, female fans, swans, everything is the pond. Welcome to the pond. And it just really trained me on like, man, this social media can move products. Like I would tell them I got a merch shirt for sale. They go buy it. I tell them that I've got a music video shoot. I'm in LA. They would show up. And so Periscope was my training ground, but Twitter jacked it off. So once they messed it up, I went over to Instagram and had to start from scratch. Okay. So you... So basically, because this is something I see you talk about often, you was building that brand loyalty and developing that authentic fan base. And I think that's important just because when you do it like that, I think people don't realize you don't need to have this big ass millions and millions of followers, this huge ass fan base. Like you can have a small fan base. Like I even seen you talk about it. I think you said like you have a small fan base and still make millions. I swear, Ryan Leslie, man, anybody that's in the music business, I encourage you to study Ryan Leslie's career, man. He's a producer. Dude is went to Harvard, got in when he was 16, super smart, gives a lot of game. Him and Russ are the two dudes that give a lot of game. And you don't have to have a big fan base, man. They just got to know that you rock with them. And I think for a lot of artists, it's probably going to be one of the best nuggets they can take is that everybody listens to music. Everybody on earth listens to music. But they listen to music from people that they connect with. So if you try to market to everybody, you're not going to be successful. Going back to Nike, everybody wears shoes. 
But Nike knew when they were first starting off in the 70s or whatever it was, that they could not market them sneakers to 80-year-old grandmas. She's not going to wear that. You had to find your target demographic first. And so when you are a musician, you do more than make music. For me, it was basketball. There was entrepreneurship. Those are the things that I was interested in. So what I would do when I got on Instagram, and I did this on like Periscope too, I would go to popular basketball pages. And I would turn their notifications on. And the moment that they would post a video, I would go watch, I would click it, and I'd make sure that I was the first comment. And I made sure that I wrote like four or five sentences to let people know that, A, I watched this, I know what it is, and I got some sort of insight. So I would break it down, flare screens, use some sort of basketball terminology. People are like, damn, who is this writing on these comments? And what happens when you're the first and it's kind of long, people read it, you move to the top. And then they click your stuff. If they click your stuff, now they have some sort of rapport with you because they know this dude is in the basketball like I am. Oh, I'm on his page. He made music. Let me let me check it out. So that's a way to kind of growth hack. So whatever it is that you do, whether you you are in the yoga poses, whether you like building trash cans, there is a subculture and a market for them on social media. And it's your job to find them. Everybody don't exist on Instagram. Everybody don't exist on YouTube. Reddit is a huge place for some places. So like once you find them, go in there and speak what I call that nerd talk where only people who are into it like you understand. And because everyone listens to music, they're going to support you because they can relate to you. Gems, hey, you dropping, you dropping game. And I want to go back to something that you mentioned in the beginning when you said, because um, we kind of brushed past it quickly, but I want to talk about this really quick. You said how pretty much the industry and the game is built for the, for them to pretty much finesse the artists. Yeah. And I want to, I, w- I just want you to break that down some more and explain that for the people that might be wondering, like, what do you mean by that? Are y'all buying Christmas gifts right now? Nah, we haven't. We do. We just we just moved to a whole new city, so oh. we but yeah. Well, that's the gift, <laughs> right? <That's... laughs> what about you, D? Are you are you buying Christmas gifts right now? I gotta buy a few gifts for the babies, but that's it. Okay, all right, cool. So when we buy Christmas gifts online, because I am too. So if I buy a Christmas gift, it's probably gonna be delivered by FedEx, Amazon, or UPS. And if I buy it, let's say because when does when this podcast gonna uh, come out? Sunday. All right, I ain't gonna say that because my nephew, he might listen and understand what I'm <laughs> So when I buy gifts, let's say that I buy somebody some shoes or something. Let's say I buy them from, from Nike. And when I buy those shoes from Nike, now I own them shoes. And FedEx, they're gonna deliver those shoes to my house because they're the distribution channel. So Nike's the manufacturer, FedEx is the distribution channel. But once the shoes get here, they're mine. Every time that I wear them shoes, I ain't gotta pay FedEx. Every time I wear them shoes, I ain't gotta pay Nike. I already paid them. With the music business, I manufacture the music. I write the music. And when you work, when you're signed to a label, even though you manufacture it, you give them, you give it to the label to distribute, like FedEx or to market it, like Facebook. But the difference is when they send that music out to Spotify or whatever, they charge you for it. That's like FedEx charging me every time that I put my shoes on. That's like Nike charging me every time that I, that I put my shoes on. The label doesn't charge you the market rate. They charge you what they want to charge you. And what they say is you got, you got to recoup it based off the royalties. So the more people that listen to your music, the more people that stream your music, that is where you're going to be able to pay off and recoup what we have charged to you. And then you'll be able to get all the money. But 
if you getting music videos, if you getting flights, you getting dinners, you showing up and they gave you a $10 bottle of water, whatever it is, they charge the artist for. So the system is set up that no matter what, you're always going to be in the red to them. If you're not in the red, they're not going to message you. And 50 Cent talked about this because they know there's other artists that are in the red who they would eat off of. And it's not like that example I just gave with the shoes with Nike. That's a one-time purchase. Nike don't make any more money off of me unless I go and pay them for something else. The record industry continues to make money off these masters because the royalties are in perpetuity. If they put my, my music in uh, Space Jam 2, anytime Space Jam 2 gets played, they're going to get paid forever because they own the masters. So that's how artists get ripped off and they get finessed. It's like they give you an upfront advance for $100,000, which is essentially a loan. And then anything that they do for you, which is what they're supposed to do anyway, they charge you for it. So if you charge me for everything, why am I here? Just to be famous? Come on, man. Mm, so let me ask you this then. So at this point, do you think it makes sense for, because I'm pretty sure in certain situations with some artists, it probably makes sense for them to sign to a label. But in your opinion, what do you think about that? If you're going to sign with a label, and this is not my opinion in business, but in the music business, this is my opinion. You need to have an exit strategy if you're going to be in the music business. If you are starting your own business from the ground, I don't believe you need to have an exit strategy because you're always going to be looking for opportunities to basically sell out. When you sign to a label, you need to know what your exit strategy is. Okay, you know what? We're going to do a 36-month deal, which is three years. I'm going to get the lion's share of the royalties. I'm going to get the lion's share of the, of the publishing. I'm not going to do a commitment deal. A commitment deal with the publishing. So kind of break it down. So when you sign to a record label, they might take your publishing, they might not. But what happens too is somebody else might come by, hey, you just signed $100,000 to Universal. We're over here at Sony ATV. We'll pay you $100,000 just for your publishing rights. So now you're like, that's $200,000. I'm going to take that. But what happens is now Sony ATV owns your publishing. And they might tell you, we're going to put you on a commitment deal. And what a commitment deal is, is like you have to commit 10 commercially, y'all can't see me doing a Michael Jackson allegedly quotations, quotations, uh, 10 <laughs> commercially viable records that we can get placed in movies, TVs, and video games per year. What does that mean? That means you got to make songs that we like. And if we don't like it, we not paying you no publishing. So now you work for them. I got a video on my page where Walker's talking about that. And so if you are going to sign a record deal, I believe 36 months, lion's share of the royalties. I keep all my publisher, even if y'all want to split it, whatever, but I'm not doing no damn commitment deal. I got 100% creative control. You're going to pay for tour support. You're going to pay for marketing. And then I recoup on the advance and that's it. And then we split everything down the middle 50-50. If they don't want to do that, it doesn't make any sense. Also too, artists got to know the strengths and weaknesses. I'm really good with business. I understand business. Some people might not have that gift. I get that. But you do not need to walk into the label hoping that they're going to give you somebody that you can trust with your business. You got to find somebody, whether it's a cousin, whether it's a friend, whether it's an MBA student that you develop a rapport with. I feel like a lot of people, if you're going to have a business in general, but especially music business, you need to establish an LLC. You establish an LLC that allows you to hire interns. When you hire interns, now you can hire your intern as your director of operations. And now you can show them the, the ropes of what you need to get done. And if y'all get to the position where y'all signing with a label, now you have somebody who you know, you know their work ethic and you can trust them because they were an intern. So that's how you need to go in there if you want to sign up to a label. But man, 
with all the technology we got, man, it don't make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> and these days, that's what I keep hearing about, like how you really don't need to, to, to go into that. But even from my own personal experience, and this is something that I've never talked about on the podcast. I just, I just thought about it. Like I never mentioned this. Like I had my, I had my own dealing. Deanna, no, I had my own dealing with the music industry. So I, I know somebody that's a producer. And he's like a producer that he got plaques. He didn't produce songs that did millions uh, that went gold. And he was doing a deal. He was trying to do a deal with Alamo Records. I'm pretty sure you know who Alamo Records is. Mm -hmm. So he was trying to do a deal with Alamo Records. And the deal, the deal, I'm going to be keep it real. And I ain't trying to disrespect this nobody. I'm not even going to give out the numbers. But the it, it wasn't it wasn't really worth it for somebody of his caliber that's already doing numbers as a producer. So then they were just trying to buy a beat from him. So I'm negotiating all this on his behalf. I'm talking to them, and this is my mind you, this is my first dealing with the music industry. So I'm negotiating them, and they basing like how they want to pay as far as producer. They was basing it like on the point system. So they saying like, look, look, look I see your face. So they like, so I'm like once again, I'm not gonna say the number that they try to pay him for the beat, but the number I'm like. Yo, this is disrespectful. So, but I'm checking with him. I'm ready to be like, nah, y'all need y'all wilding. But I'm talking to him. I'm like, is that cool with you? And he like, yeah, he like, cool. I'll take that. I'm like, bro. But he was here. He, but he said he like, yeah, I'm gonna make sure I get I give you your cut. And I'm like, yo, bro, the only this money, this ain't nothing to me. Though you keep that because this is this industry crazy, bro. I'm like, man. And that, but like I said, that was my first dealing with the music industry. And I'm like, man. This, if if this happening to people like him that's already doing doing numbers, I can't imagine what's happening to the artists that's ain't got no ain't got no leeway, no like uh leverage in these negotiations. I mean, if if you think about it, like I mean, yesterday Giannis signed the biggest contract in NBA history. We all know the numbers, two hundred twenty eight million. We can go look at LeBron contract, James Harden. We can go look up Deshaun Watson, Cam Newton. How much Drake getting from Universal? How much Kendrick getting from Universal? Why they keep all that a secret? Because mm. they don't want us to know. Because they know that they screwing dudes on on the back end. Like it's it's there's so once you start uncovering them rocks, and you look at every other business, you realize the record business hiding a lot of stuff. Hell, Spotify, like Spotify playlisting is a massive thing. It helped me get my first a million streams. It was the foundation of my business, and now we're curving out of it. But when you go to a playlist on Spotify, you can see the number of followers. What other social media platform where if you see a follower account, you can't click the follower account to see who the followers are. You can do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can click and see the profile. Try to do it on a Spotify and, and see what happens. They not going to show you. Why is everything such a damn secret? Because they mm. don't want you to know because they're screwing you in every capacity. Like it's the, you did the right thing by telling him the right information, but he had the same mentality that a lot of artists have. It's like, Man, I've, I've been doing this out of the love because I want to do it. I just want to get something. Mm -hmm. And so, like, here, here you go. Here's a little scrap. Here's these chitlins. We about to go kill the whole hall. Shit, man, that's really what, and that's really how I felt. I'm like, man, this is chitlins, bro. Like, come on, bro. For somebody of your caliber, like, they they playing. I was like, on some real shit, you should just say, fuck it. Not even, not even fuck with them. But like you said, sometimes the artists, they doing out of love. They just want something out of it. So, I understood it. So, I, I see you want to say something? Yes, yeah, so I want to ask you. So, we pretty much, we already know how it's going to go. If you go the route of going to a record um, label, they're going to pretty much finesse you as much as they can. But if you go the indie route, like, where where's the income going to come from? Are you going to have to get on to these? Like, you already said Spotify. It's already things with Spotify. But, like, 
what are you going to have to do to actually make money going to indie rock? Yeah, smart. So the first thing that I would suggest, you got to put out as much music as possible. And this ain't just for artists, it's for anybody. We're in the content era right now. You need to be putting out as much content as you possibly can. Because if you've been paying attention to the news, you've been paying attention to what's going on with these social media platforms, the legislation for social media is picking up. It's picking up a whole lot of steam. And I think with this next regime, because Orange Man's out, I think they're really, really about to start like going a route with this social media legislation where people, like I said, anytime somebody gets played, your music gets played, you get paid. I think it's going to get to the point. Anytime somebody views your content, if you own the rights, you're going to get paid because there's no other form of entertainment, music, televisions, video games, movies, where if you get paid, if somebody plays it, you don't get paid. There's not royalties in it. So I think that that's going to happen. So put out as much content as you possibly can. Second thing right now, Spotify playlist. And I know I said it's dying now. It is. It's not what it used to be. But that is the quickest way to get your song heard. And if somebody listens to it for 31 seconds, you get paid. Like that's how I got my first 1 million streams, 1 million streams. That's about $4,000. Now I know some people's like, that ain't nothing. Well, you know, it ain't nothing. Zero when you're not making no money off your music. But once you get that first royalty check, miles is $13.24. Once you get that first royalty check, you get inspired to find other ways. And so once your music starts getting on Spotify playlists, and I got a video on my YouTube at Dorian Group 82, how to get on Spotify playlists for free, go watch that. Once you start getting on playlists, now you're starting to get some income. Now people are going to start checking you out on other platforms. So now they come to your social media. That's where you're going to make your money. That's why you got to have a website. And I know, Xavier, I think me and you talked about this on my, on my podcast. Like, website's vitally important. If you don't have a website right now, you don't have a house. Like, you are on the internet homeless. And you cannot be a business owner and not have a website. When you have a website, your website needs to be Facebook pixelated. That means you need to have Facebook keep a track of everybody that's coming through there. You need to be selling stuff on your website, whether it's merch, whether it might be a one-on-one -on -one session. You got to be thinking of something. And going back, D, to what I was talking about, those subcultures, right? Like I knew that I was in the music business and entrepreneurial space. So I knew that I positioned myself like that. I knew the services that they wanted. If you are on Reddit and you are an expert birdcage maker, you know what your birdcage people want. So your ass needs to set up your website to service birdcage people. And you need to give them services because they're going to listen to your music. Like I said, if you just want to get rich off your music, it ain't going to happen. Jay-Z ain't a billionaire off his music. Dr. Dre ain't 800, 900 million off his music. Puffy neither. 50 neither. We can go through the whole list. They went and did other stuff. So as an as an independent artist, you got to be an entrepreneur too. You got to figure out a way to service your audience as natural to you and give them the services that they want. That's so true. And another thing I saw like on your social media, and that's just going into the website thing you had on there in like one of the comment sections, but it was like, you need a website, an email list and direct content, direct um, contact with your fans. And I thought that was so powerful, especially like for you to be saying that um, from a music industry perspective. So you, can you go into that too? Yeah, the reason I put that on there because Pornhub just got rid of like 60% of their content three days ago. <laughs> Damn. So like, yeah, because they got rid of all the amateurs because all the sex trafficking and, and child porn is on there, which is smart. But if you was building your brand on Pornhub, which I know some artists that have, you gone. Like, we don't own Instagram. We don't own YouTube. For all y'all that want to clown on Clubhouse, we don't own that neither. Only thing you own is your website and your email list. Like I said, I'm living proof. I got up to 22,000 followers on Periscope. 
you couldn't tell me nothing. <laughs> so I got a twenty-two thousand followers on Periscope, and one day I got on there, and I'm used to getting like eight thousand people per live, and I got on there, and that live did like seven hundred people. I'm like, all right, maybe it was just a one-off, and the next live was six hundred, then five hundred. I'm like, damn, they finally leaving. I had to go start from scratch. I had a website, I had a few emails, but I wasn't pushing it like I needed to. So when I started building up my Instagram following, I was telling people to come to my website, download my free ebook, put your email list. So now my email list is like 20,000. So no matter where we go, no matter where technology goes, I'm still gonna be able to reach. I haven't gotten to the text messaging stuff yet because it costs too damn much, but I'm thinking about doing, doing that too. You have to own your data. All these platforms exist and got these 40, 50 billion dollar valuations because of data. Facebook ads and Instagram ads is because of data. Y'all are giving Clubhouse all that data and y'all don't own nothing. It don't make no sense. We are too sophisticated, especially black people. We are too sophisticated entrepreneurs at this point in 2021 to be building up these platforms for free. We, we built up MySpace. We built up Black Planet. We built up Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, you name it, we built it. We, we can't do that no more. Because YouTube, that 70-30 deal, I was just talking about with, with the record labels, YouTube's giving that to people that make content. Instagram about to start paying creators for their ads. I saw something on Snapchat, they about to start paying people if you post on Spotlight or whatnot. We got to stop giving what is the most, what's the most profitable asset in America, which is black culture. We got to stop giving to these platforms for free. So ain't no point of, of, of doing that anymore. You gotta, if you're gonna be on these platforms, you need to be getting paid, but the best way to get paid is website, email list and all that. It's a bar right there, that data. And we always talk about that on the podcast. I talk about how people, whether you, I don't care what industry you in, whatever company you got, you need to build up, build up that data because whenever you decide to sell, the people that's buying, that's what they want. And if you ain't got that, that's gonna devalue your company like a mofo, for real. Yeah. So make sure you you getting that data right. And I like I, I love I love this conversation because a lot of this like we talk about data and the and the uh, business of it. It reminds me of the podcasting industry for real. Like when I talk about the music industry, it reminds me of the podcasting industry a lot. But the podcasting industry is still kind of like at its infancy stages, even though it's like very popular these days. But I know a lot of people that want to get into podcasting, but they don't know nothing about the podcasting business. They don't know how to make a dollar in podcasting. And I could tell you, I could tell you, I could talk about this all day. I'm actually coming out with a course. I'm coming out with a course with it very soon about Smart how to make money, brother. how to make money podcasting. Cause I've, I've been doing it. So, and it's, and I see, like I said, I talk to people all the time. that want to get in, but they don't know how to, they don't like, they just can't put two and two together at all. It's like, yo, if you're gonna do it, obviously you can do it for fun. But at the end of the day, this is a business. This is an industry. It's, this is, this is a, billion dollar industry for real so why would you play with it like that listen d and x we can lead people to the water we can't force them to drink it we in information age man everybody we are in this this uh romanticized era of entrepreneurship everybody want to be an entrepreneur pandemic that intensified that everybody want to work for themselves everybody want to post it on social media i think this is going to happen so many people have started businesses are going to start business next year they're going to see how hard this truly, truly is. And in two years, they're all going to shut down. I think by 2025, it's going to be a full-on attack on entrepreneurs. They're going to view us like rappers. They're going to be like, you did that, you stupid. This is dumb. Y'all the reason that society is where it is. You're bloodsuckers because it's going to be so many bitter people who are trying to be entrepreneurs right now, but they ain't, they ain't built for it. They're not built for it. You can't, like you just said, how you going to get to the podcast if you don't know how to make money? 
make no money. How are you going to be in the music business and you ain't what? There's a free class at edX.org. edX.org, they got all types of classes. They got a free music business course. I've taken it three times. How are you not taking advantage of these free resources? Because you don't want it. You want all the fame. You want all the clout. You want the blue check. You want the likes. You want the comments. You don't want the grind. The grind's where the money is. And all that social media bullshit. Sorry for cussing with that. I'm just saying, like, if you're doing it for that, Man, you're not gonna last, man. <laughs> you ain't mm-hmm. and like, and y'all know this entrepreneurship is it's probably the hardest thing that I've ever done. But since I it gives me so much freedom, it's I don't know how to explain it. It's not hard to me. Like what as hard as I work, that's like the baseline level of hard work. Okay, so when I was working for somebody on a on a scale from one to ten. I think on my best day, I probably gave them a six. On average, I was probably giving them a three every day. <laughs> With entrepreneurship on my worst day, I give myself an eight. Like I'm going hard every day. So my worst day of effort, of effort as an entrepreneur would be two levels above my best day when I was working for somebody because I'm motivated by the freedom. Like my daughter's downstairs right now taking a nap. So we get done with this, I can go downstairs, I can hold her, I ain't gotta worry about nothing. And I done made money today. We didn't got like six or seven sales today. I was working for somebody, man. She would have had to be in daycare. It's COVID. It's all stuff. Like I'd have been thinking about all that. So entrepreneurship gives me the freedom. That's why I keep going. You have to find some sort of anchor if you want to be a business owner. And it can't be money and it can't be clout. You're not going to last. You're not going to last. You're definitely not. It's got to be fact. deeper than it. That's a fact. That's a fact. And I want, I want to talk about true support. Yeah. And getting that, and this is, I'm like, man, like, this is amazing to me. Because you chart, like I said, you charted number three on iTunes, on iTunes top 200 albums chart. Like, number three. Or like, I don't think people understand. You don't got no no major record deal. You're doing this all independently. So we got to talk about, like, how did that happen? For Just for the soul, so that people could truly understand this. Man, and, and, I, and I love telling this story. So, um once again, you know, just being on the internet and, and knowledge. Um, so when I was starting my Instagram, my D, and you had asked about this earlier. So when I got to Instagram, I was like 4,000 followers. You know what I mean? And that was because of spillover from Periscope. I had nothing. I had posted like a year and a half. So I'm like, man, like I told y'all before, I don't want to be no stunting money. Like, what am I going to give on Instagram? And so I think this is when Instagram had finally allowed you to post 60 second videos. It's pre IGTV. And so I started studying people who were in the industry like I did when I was taking that class at edX.org and when I worked that job, I hated. And so I came across Curtis King, Curtis with two S's, last name King. And he's a producer. And he was basically like a music business expert as a producer. His Instagram wasn't that big, but on YouTube, he was popping. But I really, really liked his videos and what he was doing. And so um, I was looking at that. I'm like, I can do what he's doing. I'm gonna just do it my, my, myself. So I reached out to his video guy. And I was gonna pay him $25 a video to do the Instagram videos I'm doing now. He started playing around, BSing, going back to Darren and Devin Chapman, told you about them. Darren told me, he was like, Duck, you need to hire interns. I'm like, man, I hire no intern. I don't wanna do that, I don't wanna be. And I said, you gotta probably do the process. He said, ain't no process, man. You go to Indeed.com, you post the ad. If they get college credit, you sign a paper and there you intern. I'm like, for real? He said, you got an LLC, right? I said, yeah. He, he said, okay. So posted the ad. Um, and when I posted the ad, I 
hired like four video editing interns. So now we're getting videos, pumping them out. And I'm watching Curtis King. I'm following him, looking at what he's doing, et cetera. But I'm doing everything my own way. And Curtis was huge on YouTube. I think he got like 250,000 subscribers. And on his Instagram one day, as I was comparing the videos, he had posted and said he was leaving YouTube to start his own thing. I'm like, what? And we had DM'd each other a few times. And so he started Curtis King University. And I said, okay, cool. I'm a watch from afar. And then I don't know what happened, but one day I was on Instagram. I think I got paid or something. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Curtis King University see what he's talking about. I went on there. It was $20 a month. And my philosophy is if I pay $20 for something and it makes me some money, it was worth it. A book, whatever. So black man, I'm a support. So I went into Curtis King University and one of his classes was, he had a bunch of stuff about YouTube and producers, but one of his classes was how I charted top 10 on iTunes as independent artists. I was like, okay, let me click that. So I clicked it and I watched it. And what Curtis did was he was a producer. He knew his audience was primarily producers and rappers. And his strategy was anybody that bought his album, he gave them one of his beats. His beats usually ran for like $200. So he dropped an EP, which was $4.99. And anybody that bought it, he gave them a beat that was $200, which was great value. And that made his album sales go up. And he said he only sold like 250, 300 albums. He charted top 10. And he had the proof. I'm like, are you serious? And so I started thinking about my audience. I'm like, man, we've been doing this stuff for a while. What do they love? They love Spotify playlists. We own six Spotify playlists at, at groupa2music.com. And our permanent playlist, it goes for $299. It's on sale right now, but at the time it was $299. I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. Anybody that buys my album, True Support, I'm going to put them on our playlist permanently for free. And that's how I marketed. And I was pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And man, we ended up moving like, I think almost a thousand units, man, that first week off of, off of that. And when you have a thousand units on iTunes, you, you going to crank up. And so that's how I was able to get up on them charts because I had it set up on the back end where if you, you, you had to pre-order the album, we pre-order our album, you had to post it on social media. You had to tag me in it. So if you go to my Instagram now, you can see my story highlights. I got like true support, got three of them. So you can see all the people that bought it. And then once the album came out, you had to show proof of purchase because what boys can do, they can pre-order, they can get the player's placement and then they can cancel. Like the purchase don't go through till the album comes out. So once the album comes out, that's how you redeemed your playlist. So like I said, we moved almost a thousand units, man. And that's how I was able to chart. Wow. Yo, that's it. when I seen when I seen you post, I was like, "Whoa, what the hell? This is crazy, yo!" Because everybody that else that name was on the list was major, major artists with major record labels. So it was like, "Wow, that's crazy." But I want to ask: Did you get? I'm pretty sure you got a lot of people hitting you up, like, "Hey," or did you get any labels reaching out or anything like that? Label labels ain't talking to me, and I can kind of give insight why. Oh. So, uh, so the way the music industry week works, it starts on Friday, ends on Thursday. So I dropped my album on that Friday because I wanted to hit the Billboard charts as well. That was a big a big thing for me, and I knew with the amount of units that we were going to sell, we had a good chance of doing that combined with my previous streaming numbers, and so. Um, Man, the, the week, so I dropped on Friday, hit the iTunes charts, I'm up there, I'm the highest charting independent artist, not just on the rap charts, on the overall music charts too. And then the week goes by, people still buying, people still sharing. And X on that Saturday when the Billboard charts about to come out, 
Billboard emailed me and they were like, yo, we need you to update your photo. We need a copy of your album. We need a picture of you. You got like, basically like, yo, you about to hit the charts. I'm like, what? Man, I'm too hyped. And so the charts came out, I think on like a Tuesday or Wednesday, I can't remember. And I'm up and I'm looking, I'm looking at the Hot 200. I'm looking at the rap charts, looking at the heat seekers, looking at the independent charts. I'm looking at all this stuff and I ain't on none of them. I'm like, what the hell? Like, why'd y'all email me if I ain't on none of them? And so I got people that are in the industry and I started talking and they said what happened was <laughs> the, the numbers were there. Like, I still got the proof on my computer. I post on my Instagram. You can see what chart position I was because the back end is called media base. And on there, you can look and see how many units you moved and what chart that would, what position that puts you on the, on, on the charts. That's what Billboard does. That's what they go off of. And so I had people that were in the industry. It's like, yo, you made it, but they went to your Instagram, your social media. They don't like how you talk about the music business. So they left you off. And I'm like, how can, first, my first question is like, how could they do that? But then me knowing business followed up because Billboard ain't nothing but a goddamn magazine. That's all they are. So they could take me off just like Instagram can get rid of you. Just like YouTube can get rid of you. I don't have no big manager. I don't have no manager. I have no label. So let's just delete him because we don't need him pushing what he's been, been doing. So independent artists have hit me up. Yes. But labels, no. And the reason that that pisses me off is because the only reason I dropped on that Friday is so I could be registered for the billboard charts. NBA Youngboy and Conway dropped that same day. So I knew that I wasn't going to beat them. Had I dropped one day before X and D, I would have went number one on iTunes. So that's why that really pisses me off. So Billboard can kiss my ass. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. But that's still that's 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 still a huge feat, man. And that's still Thank like you. I'm, and that's that gave you now you got a blueprint something to work on. You know what I'm saying? You hit number three, you know for sure you could hit number one on that motherfucker. Man, we already thinking about the next the next uh album run. Shit, even this week, man, um, <clears throat> somebody has sent me some stuff. It was like, man, you, you number four on the rap charts in, in France right now. I'm like, what is? They said true support. I'm like, man, that album came out three months ago. It's like, bro, go check. And I went and checked. Right now, I think I might be number five today. But yesterday, I was number four. So once again, the power of social media, man. Instagram, YouTube, I was ending every video with buy true support. Those videos are still running, people still buying. And D, you had asked earlier, like, how do you make money? I'm still getting money off the album. I'm still getting royalties, still getting publishing and a direct album sale of $10 or whatever it is. What is what was it in France? Franks? Franks. Yeah, so I'm getting them 10 francs. <laughs> right, still getting them 10 francs, man. And oh, man, so let me let me ask you this. So just off top, like what would your if I asked you, like, what would the tips tips be you would give to indie artists or somebody that's thinking about getting into the industry? What would you say? You, you got to have a website. And the most important thing to learn right now is Facebook and Instagram ads. You have to. You, you, you absolutely have to. And Facebook.com backslash blueprint is basically Facebook University, where they teach you everything you need to know about ads. You can get certified. I'm, I'm Facebook and Instagram ads certified. If you excuse me this ain't just for music this is for entrepreneurs if you learn facebook and instagram ads right now you can sell anything because if you have set up your funnel correctly where you're giving people value so the beginning of my funnel on my instagram page is the is the free ebook i'm gonna walk y'all through it so well actually that's not it the beginning of the funnel on my instagram page is the content 
So what I do is I go find a popular interview. Cause remember I told you I watched all them interviews. So I had them stored in my head. I find a popular interview that's talking about the music business and I make a clip. Up under that clip, I make a huge caption that people can read even when they're, when they're scrolling. And something that's gonna make people stop and click. Once the interview gets done running, I put an intro that might catch their attention, me being funny, serious, whatever. Ducks and Swans intro that I give my analysis on the back end. So the content is good. So people watch that. If they keep coming to my page because I post good content, the link in my bio is my website. And I tell them you can get your free ebook here, how to get 1 million streams on Spotify. Go to my website, your free ebook, you got to put your email list in. I mean, email in. So they put their email name, email address in there. So now, once you click the link, my Facebook pixel registers you. And now I have your email because you got the free ebook. So what I can do now is I can go to Facebook and tell them, hey, I want you to run ads to everybody that's downloaded my ebook. I want you to run ads to everybody that's clicked this link. I want you to run ads to everybody that's clicked this services page. I want you to run ads to everybody that added to cart, but they didn't purchase. I want you to run ads to everybody who lives in Cleveland, Ohio and likes J. Cole and has been to my website. I can pinpoint it that well. So now I know I'm a hit, a warm or hot audience when it's time to sell. So if you are an entrepreneur in general, you absolutely have to know Facebook and Instagram ads right now. You have to, it's, it's, it's crazy. Black Friday weekend, we spent $1,100 on ads, made 13,000. Where else are you, are you getting at right now? Like it's, it's, it's crazy right now. You need to do it. Everybody got to learn ads, so. That's a major game. And like you said, that applies to every entrepreneur, not just in the music industry, that applies to everybody. And something that you, I, I also seen you talk about on Instagram and you talked about how to make a, uh, $100,000 in the music industry in 2021. I said, oh yeah, we, we, we got to touch on this really quick. Yeah, so what I'm, what I'm planning on doing for the next year, man, um, I'm learning how to mix my own music. So that's the first thing. Like I've been slacking as a, a music business entrepreneur because I didn't own my manufacturing. The manufacturing is the mixing and mastering of the music. I've had to go to somebody else for that. I'm going to take that away. I need to know how to, how, to, how, to, how to do that. So once I get that down, I'm going to learn how to mix. And then $100,000 in the music industry, I feel right now, going back to Facebook and Instagram ads, everything that I told y'all is about the sales and about the funnel. When you have set your funnel up right, you can sell any goddamn thing. And so if you have found who your audience is online and you have your funnel set up where your content's really good, where your website has Facebook Pixel, where you have the email list, and then you're following up with them, you're connecting with them, you're going live with them, that works. Another thing I want to talk about too is YouTube. I slept on YouTube. Like I told y'all before, I was on Periscope. I was all in. Came over to Instagram. And I was all in. I was like, man, I don't feel like learning another platform. It's a lot of work. And the way YouTube kind of happened for me was some serendipity. So one of my fans was on Instagram. He was like, hey, man, do you have a video? or something about Nipsey. It was like a clip. Like, bro, I already posted that. He's like, man, it's hard to search for these videos on your Instagram because there's so many. He just posted them up on YouTube, make them easier to find. I was like, cool. I post the same videos. So I'll do that. So I posted videos for like two weeks on YouTube. Didn't even think about it. And at the time, since I had like, I had a thousand YouTube subscribers. And so, and at the time, I probably had like 38,000 uh, on Instagram. And because I had so few YouTube subscribers, what I would do is I had the notifications turned on. I wanted to respond to every comment. That's what I do, what I used to. And 
So I would get like one comment a day, two, wasn't that bad. As the weeks went on in a two week period, I started getting like eight comments a day, 15, 20. And then one day, man, I got like 60 comments. Like, I got to turn this off. Like, what video is going off? And one of my videos had got up to like 40,000 views. I was like, okay, so YouTube's picking up. See my subscribers going up. And I posted this video on YouTube called um, Jay-Z warned the entire Rockefeller roster about 50 Cent. And that video went off. It got, in two and a half weeks, it got a million views. And so my subscribers went from about 1,500 to about 35,000 in about two weeks. And the way YouTube works to be a part of the YouTube partner program, that 7030 deal I was telling y'all about, you have to have at least a thousand subscribers. You gotta have 4,000 watch hours and you can't have any copyright strikes on your channel. I passed all that in like a week. And so I was able to start making money off of YouTube. That first full month, just ad revenue alone, I made $8,000. Then I started going live, like going live, doing super chats, super stickers. I would have them. Um, we, we do an independent artist showcase every Thursday where we play artist music off of Spotify. It's 25 hours to get your music played. Next month, I made $8,000. So when you track that out, $8,000 for 12 months, and then you factor in your royalties, you factor in your publishing, you factor in your merch, you factor in your other services, like everything I'm doing, every artist can do. And that's the easiest way to make $100,000 from your music in 2021. That's dope because with all that combined, that's easily 10K a month. Easily. Yeah. So how much yeah. would you say like uh, for an indie artist like who's trying to get on that path like getting started, how much should they have in capital to initially invest in themselves and get it moving? Man, like I told y'all, man, I took, <laughs> at the time I was making $750 every two weeks. I bought my MacBook Pro off of Craigslist. I think this dude, like, I think I was in Chicago and this wasn't a Northbrook dude. This was a dude from the city. I think he stole it from some school system or something, but he sold to me for like $400. It worked. I didn't care. Um, and I didn't pay my rent that month. So I probably spent like maybe two, $300 on my equipment, but that was me learning how to do this stuff. But as far as like, what capital do you need? A lot of y'all be saying that y'all hustlers. A lot of y'all rapping about money. A lot of y'all say y'all can sell water to a whale or whatever the hell it is. Jay said it's song so old, I can't remember now. Like all y'all saying that y'all could do all this stuff. Like, what is it X? What's what's the line, man? <laughs> he said, he said I could sell, he said, yeah, he said I could sell water to a whale. Water to he a said, whale. I'm a hustler, man. baby, I, I could sell water to a whale. Yeah, yeah, and all y'all, y'all been saying all this stuff all this time, man. If, if you can do all that, we in a digital era, like you should be able to build your social media platform up for free. You know, to post content on your phone that you already own is free. These apps to edit that stuff is free. To respond to comments is free. To respond to DMs is free. To post every day for six months is free. Once you get above a certain amount of followers, the clout chases, they gonna come. And then you can decide what services that you wanna offer. And I ain't saying everybody hits us, hits us up as a clout chaser, because they not, because we give them real services. But some of y'all, y'all might wanna charge $100 for a shout out. I might charge $50, $25 for a shout out. You, you might want to start a podcast that people come on and you pay them. I didn't get paid for this. X didn't get paid for mine. I'm not saying that, but that might be something that you want to do, right? There's so many ways that you can monetize and make money. Now, what happens when you make that money, you got to put that back into your business, right? So for every artist like, oh, I need a manager. I need a loan. I need, you don't need nothing. You need to sit on your ass. You need to learn a skill that can make you some money. 
We've been profitable since day one at Group 82. We started off group82music.com. Our first customer was somebody who I, I put on my personal Facebook, not business Facebook. Hey, we got to start offering website, logo, design, biography, and Spotify services for artists. Anybody interested? One dude hit me up. We designed his website for $300. We've been profitable since day one. So you don't need a whole lot of money. You just need to have sweat equity, which is the most important thing. You need to sit down, you need to learn a skill, you need to learn that market, and you need to run with it. Everybody in the world has a skill that other people need that they'll pay money for. Because they're probably doing it themselves. Other day, um, we had a TV dude come over. I could probably learn how to hang these TVs up on the wall. I don't want to. I don't feel like it. I paid his ass $100. He was here for 20 minutes. That's his hustle. What'd he do? People probably like, man, you got ripped off. No, I gave that black man some money to do something I didn't want to do. Same thing with me. We all got something, man. Figure out what it is you can do and start talking about it and do it. Hey, that's real. We talked about this on the previous episode. I just paid somebody two fifty to put up my RTV and PAP. Like you said, people might look like, man, you tripping. I'd be like, hey, I don't want to do that shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to, I'm saving my time. I'm going to pay somebody else so they could do it so I can save my time on doing it. That's real, man. And I want to ask yeah. you about, like, during the, throughout the pandemic, like, I, I know for a lot of music artists that's probably been struggling because they can't do shows. And I know show money is a, is a huge deal for most artists. So, like, as an independent artist, how is that, like, throughout, throughout, this pandem- throughout the pandemic? For me, it's been great because people still listen to music, still buy my services online. But I look at somebody, and I'm going to say names, like I look at somebody like a, like a Tory Lanez, right? Like he, he hasn't been able to do shows, and obviously he's had a lot of stuff. I ain't going to go into the controversy. But what, what, what did he do? He started going on Instagram. He started going on Instagram and doing them lives. Now, if he would have went over to YouTube and did the exact same thing, he'd have got the YouTube ad money. He'd have got them super chats money. He'd have got that super sticker money where people can donate when they come onto the live. But you know why Tory didn't go on the YouTube? Because he don't own his goddamn YouTube rights. Because anytime y'all see Vivo, that means that you that they sold their YouTube rights. Mm, so, I didn't know that. That's why you gotta own that. You know what I mean? Like you can look at J. Cole. I think it was last week I put this on my Instagram. J. Cole just re-released a lot of his old music videos. I'm assuming I think he did that because he finally owns his YouTube rights now. So the Vivo version is out there, but he wants to have his own version out there. It's like he re-recorded his masters, like like what Taylor Swift did. Once they bought it from her, she re-recorded all her songs so she can own that. That's why you don't give up any of them YouTube rights. So all of y'all that want to get signed to Vivo, you want to have that watermark on there, you're a, you're a clown. Don't do that. But as an independent artist, if you know your audience and where they are, people still have money. Yeah, people lost jobs and a lot of stuff that happened. But PS5 just came out. Can anybody find that motherfucker? It's $500. So people got money. They just ain't giving it to you because you haven't given them any value because you've been sitting there wanting to be an artist and, pe- and you get a thousand comments on your photos and you ain't wrote nobody back. They don't like you. They like your music. And now they can't come see you in a show and you wonder why because you've been an asshole for 10 years. Like, bro, this, it's, it's not that hard. Social media is about being social. Be cool. Talk to people. Go live. I don't want to say why more people don't go live on YouTube. They're literally paying you for that. So if you're an independent artist, man, embrace the fact that you got two likes on them photos. There's two people that liked it. If you get two likes on them photos, you need to click on them two people that liked your photo. You need to go to their latest post. You need to write a meaningful comment. And they're going to see that. And their fans are going to see that. And the next time that you post a photo, it's going to be five likes. And then 10. And then next thing you know, 
you get a thousand likes a photo and everybody likes you because you have some sort of personal connection. Stop thinking that you better than everybody. You too good to respond to comments. That's why y'all ain't making no money. That's real. Hey, we hey, we call that the uh, Beyonce syndrome. Think you too, you too good to reply to people. You think you're Beyonce yeah. or something. <laughs> Not <Yeah>. at all. <laughs> right. Let me let me ask you this though. Speaking on on royalties and publish and stuff like that, what did you think about Lil Wayne selling his masters for a hundred yeah. million? Because there was a lot of talk about that, and I was like, maybe he needed the money. So I'm like, but what did you think about it? Man, I got a video coming on that. Man, it's um, <clears throat> well, he he did need the money obviously because of stuff that was going on. But th there's a lot of things. First of all, it's Joe Biden with his tax plan. So if you make money off your royalties as personal income. But if you make money off of selling your catalog to a company, it's capital gains tax. And as you know, there's a difference with that. And Biden's trying to hit boys up for that 37% and cash ain't, they're not trying to do that. So a lot of these like VC funds are starting to offer people, hey, we know you're about to get hit. You can come over here and do that. Um, interest rates are extremely low right now across the board. And so anybody that wants to get a loan, these investors to buy these master's catalogs, they, they can do that. Um, streaming, you know, a lot of artists who were in the era, and Wayne is essentially like, as far as his career, he's basically our Michael Jackson because he's been a star since he was 14 years old. And so he has been a part of a lot of money in the music industry. He's seen it all. And so to somebody like him or who's been around for a while, a Bob Dylan, a Stevie Nicks, the streaming money is not like that, that CD money. You know what I mean? They're not seeing the same type of money and they couldn't do shows because of COVID. So if somebody coming to you and offer you $100 million, Right, that's a lot of money when you ain't doing shows and you're not getting paid like you used to off of CDs. So everybody's situation is different. Um, do I think it's crazy? Absolutely. I mean, with the advent of augmented reality and virtual reality and artificial intelligence and the holograms that's gonna happen and all that, Little Wayne's Masters is worth $1 trillion. I mean, we gonna look back on this 30 years from now and be like, I can't believe they got his Masters for $100 million. I mean, he literally, literally, just sold his Apple stock before the iPhone came out. You know what I mean? But he might have needed the money, still 100 million. So, like I said, I got a video coming on that. Damn. Because I know me personally, when I seen it, I was like, because I'm always thinking about ownership and stuff, but I'm like, I don't know the situation. But I know initially I was thinking, like, damn, he sold all that, like all Wayne shit for 100 million. I'm like, wow. I'm like, well, but like I said, maybe he really needed it. I guess he did. So, I can't. And, and, it, and it comes down to our worth, man. Like, black people, we don't know. Like, we, it's, it's, niggas is from the hood, man. Like, and I, and I grew up middle class, but we was, we was right there. You know what I mean? Like, my one, if my dad makes one mistake, we right back in the hood. You know what I mean? And so we grew up with people who was making twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 a year. Somebody offer you a hundred million dollars. That's like infinity money to you. You know what I mean? But, when you look at the valuation of these companies, when you really start studying money, man, Spotify loans valued at 50 billion right now. You know what I mean? You take Lil Wayne's music, all his music off of Spotify, you can't tell me that valuation don't go down five, six billion dollars. You know what I mean? So that alone shows what he's worth right now, but we don't know. And that's why the next generation, like all of our kids, they will know because we're taking all the arrows for them. Lil Wayne's taking a lot of arrows for us, but man, it's just, we got to know our worth. Going back to Clubhouse, that's why y'all need to stop giving them free content. You know what I mean? But don't, don't, I ain't going to talk about too much. 
Well, I, 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 I like that, man. Speaking on, because uh, Clubhouse is very popular right now. And I, I want to ask you, um, damn, I want to ask you something else. I can't remember what it was. But just, all right, let's go back to Clubhouse for a second, because that's extremely popular. Man. And I know it's also, I know you spoke on a little bit, but what's your full opinion on Clubhouse? But I, some, I didn't even know what it was. Somebody invited me. Shout out to Brandon Mitchell, man. I'm very, very grateful for the invite. I didn't know. I know what it was. He's like, man, Doug, I think you would kill it on there. I'm like, all right, man, let me know what it is, whatever. I, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't care. So he invited me and I get in there and he sets up like a room and like, hey, we're welcoming during the clubhouse. And people came in there and it was cool. And so the next day I come back on there and I go into a music business room. I'm thinking it's just like, cool. Like kind of like how when Periscope first started. And I get in there, man, Cass is in there arguing, talking on top of each other, gossiping, just yelling. And I'm just like, man, I don't want nothing to do with this shit. So I went and started my own room, man, about music business. And it was good. It was some good people came in there. We had some good conversations. Man, I was in there for like two and a half hours. And we got done and, and then we shut it down. I'm just like, I didn't talk to my audience. That conversation is not really saved. I can't really repurpose it for a podcast. Ain't no video. I didn't get no ad money. I ain't gonna get no royalty. What am I doing? What am I doing? You know what I mean? And then I'm seeing stuff going viral like, Meek and academics, why are y'all having these grown man conversations that need to be private and face to face on an app for the world to see? In front of thousands of people. It's clown shit. And sorry for cussing, but it is. It's just like on top of all of that, when you trace the money, the VC fund that funded Clubhouse, they fund every Silicon Valley app. And what does Silicon Valley do? These tech dudes out in Silicon Valley. They build these apps because they know all the behind the scenes. They raise money at these VC funds. They get it all popular, get it going. And what they do, let's go to the black people because we get everything popping. How, what are y'all doing on, on Clubhouse? Who, who's getting equity off of that? Who's getting money off of that? If you don't own it, why are you there? Instagram is a way more powerful place. YouTube is a way more powerful place. Everybody just wants to be first so they can get that blue check so they can have the most followers. It's clown shit. There's too, many, there's too much money out here for us to be building up these platforms for free. Like I said earlier, we are a much more sophisticated black entrepreneur now than we were 10 years ago when black Twitter was a thing and we were passing around Thanksgiving jokes. We're past that, man. We need to be getting paid for our content. Stop building up all these people's platforms. Ooh, that's a bar. And I, I agree wholeheartedly because I know when I got put on to Clubhouse, I was just asking people the same question. I'm like, what's the point of this? Like, what's the point? Like, ain't no video. Like you said, you can't save the conversation. You can't republish it anywhere. Like the, like the conversation is gone when you're done. So I'm like, and like I said, it, it get kind of messy. Like people be talking over each other. So I didn't understand it. I'm like, okay, like it's a million other apps. Why should I be on here? I really didn't like, there's no, there's no way to make money on there. At least not right now. So I'm like, I don't get it, but Hey, it is what it is. Like you said, people, People, you know, people gravitate to stuff because it's popular. It is what it is. And they had a great marketing strategy. Like they made it exclusive. You got to get invited. Gotta exactly. Cool it, it was brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's a brilliant marketing strategy. But as far as like me, how I feel about it, and this is no offense, it's a shitty app to me, at least right now. Crap. Hate it. It's, hate yeah, it's it. a shitty app. It's a shitty app. Like it's, it, it's people on there giving game though. Like it's some real, but as, as I think about it from a business perspective, as a content creator, and from that angle, I look at it, it doesn't make any sense for me right now, at least. There's no way to make money on there. You can't say, you can't repurpose none of, like everything you said, bro. So I'm glad you said it. What you was gonna say, D? 
No, I was going to say, it seemed like every other day now it's a new platform popping up. And everybody always trying to move and go to the next one and do this and that. But if you know what works, stick to what works and keep doing, you know, keep building and focusing on one thing. Right. And I only got to go ahead, bro. Go ahead. And I know that y'all in like the finance space. So listen, anybody that's listening, man, you need to be paying attention to this acronym, FANG. F-A-A-A, sorry, F-A-A-N-G. It stands for Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google. If one of those companies ain't behind that platform, your ass do not need to be on there. They are the Ford, the Chevy, the GM, the Microsoft, the IBM of today. They control not just the American economy, they control the world economy. So when I talk about like Instagram, people go, all right, I can already read the comments. We Y'all on Instagram, you don't get paid for that. First of all, people do get paid for that, but it's backed by Facebook where you can get paid and you can run ads on that. YouTube is owned by Google where they're giving you money for that. If it ain't Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, or Google back, you do not need to be on that platform because they aren't trying to build. They're trying to monetize and they need us damn near more than we need them. I know a lot of y'all seen that. No question. Yeah, absolutely. I know a lot of y'all seen that documentary. If you haven't watched it, The Social Dilemma, and I loved it because I already run ads, so I already knew all that stuff. But it was great for y'all to see it from that perspective. It's like, these platforms cannot exist without us. They can't, right? And we can we can shut off Facebook and Instagram tomorrow. We can delete Facebook and Instagram off our phone tomorrow. And what are they going to do? They're going to try to do anything to bring us back. That's why they pay content creators so much. So stop, man, stop selling your soul for, I'm not trying to get vulgar here. Stop, stop. <laughs> There's just no reason, man. We are we are roof Chris. We're not McDonald's. I'm going to just say that. That's the best analogy I can get. Hey, and, and, and everybody know me. They know I love I love roof Chris, so I love that analogy right there. But I only, <laughs> I only got two more questions for you, so. Because I know this is a conversation that happens a lot too. Where they say which platforms has the best pay, pay the most between title, title, apples, Spotify, and all that. So, uh, do you mind just going over that for the listeners regarding how they pay? Yeah, well, the one that pays the best is a uh, title, but title has the worst user interface to me. Uh, and I'm, man, and I, and I hate, I hate I got to talk like this, but it's just the truth, man. I love Jay Z. He's one of my business mentors from afar, man. I love everything. That man's a civil rights leader. He's one of the most important people ever. And, but title sucks. And like the, the interface sucks and he don't have enough monthly active users. So I don't care that you pay me the most Then people, they're not using it. Um, I want to say like either probably Napster or Pandora or Deezer, one of those, but who listens to that? So <laughs> Spotify pays the least and Apple Music above that. But you got to look at where the people are, right? Like YouTube, like I said, gives you a 70, 30 deal if you in there. If my space started tomorrow, said, hey guys, we're gonna give you 100% of the ad revenue that you bring in there. It's like, okay, thanks. Hell is my space. <laughs> so it's like, it don't make any sense. So if right now, entrepreneurs, specifically music business entrepreneurs, stop trying to re- reinvent the wheel. You ask people where they go to listen to music, it's they're either going to Spotify or Apple Music. That's where they're going. So that's where you need to be. YouTube is probably gonna be number number three. Outside of that, man, like, of course, have your music on there, but you need to be focusing specifically Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. And my my final question I got for you is, in your opinion, as an artist, who is the GOAT? 
or you could give me your top five. But first, I want to say who is the GOAT? I usually men don't, men don't do this because we always compare to folks, but but I will do it. Uh, I mean, Jay-Z is number one. And and it's it, it's not even just so much about like the technical aspect. I mean, the man's an elite rapper and we know everything about that, but it's just the impact and what he's been able to do and then the, long, the longevity. Um, number two to me is Nas. I'm from that era. I, I love Nas. He was the first rapper that when he rapped, I forgot that the music was on. I just heard him and, I vision, and the vision was there. And I'm talking, I was young. And it's been like that my, my entire life. This is where the controversy starts. Number three to me is Drake. <laughs> it's just- Ooh, I ain't see that one coming. Man, listen, listen. It's been, it's about to be 12 years, bro, since uh, So Far Gone came out. This man has been dominant. And people have taken shots at him. He has a song for everybody. And when he raps, nobody can deny that he don't get get busy. You know what I mean? You ain't got to like the image. You can say whatever you want. We have never seen a run like this in the history of hip hop, man. And he's immensely talented. He needs a lot more respect. Number four to me is probably going to be Biggie, um, just from that era as, as, as well. And I think he's probably one of the most charismatic rappers ever. And his flow was amazing. And the way he was able, you, you said what? I said, no, no, I was just agreeing. Yeah, yeah, and and the way that he was able to flip them samples, man, that Puffy was uh, giving him, like he was he was turning some very very soft songs into legendary bangers. And then my number five is Kendrick. I wish that he put out a lot more music, man. But um, I feel like I don't think there's a more aggressive and versatile rapper than Kendrick Lamar. Drake's versatile, but Drake's versatility goes into melodies and pop and singing, and he's good. But when Kendrick can rap so many different ways and he kind of has that Nas effect too, where, I mean, Good Kid, Mad City, man, that's a feature film to me. You know what I'm saying? And there ain't too many R's that you can say that about. So Hove, Nas, Drizzy, Christopher Wallace, Kendrick Lamar, Duckworth. That's my top five. Hey, I, lo- hey, I love it. I love it. That's a, good top, that's a good top five for me. For me personally, I'm not even going on like best. I'm going to say my personal favorite. But if we is talking best, I agree. Number one, Hove is the GOAT. I don't even know why people like argue it anymore. Like, I don't, I, I don't understand it. But for my other, for the rest of the, fill up, for, to fill out my list for favorites, I got Hove number one. I got Nas two. I got, I got uh, Pop. Pockets three for me. And number four, this might surprise some people. It's Nip for me. Like he was really? like, he was in my he was in my top five before he died. Like I had he was like this, cause like you said, as a as a fan, like that's the artist I connected with the most. Like I like I like what he was like what he represented. So and I like this music. So I am at number four. Number five, another surprise. I'm, I'm gonna put a part uh, A and a B. It's Rick Ross and Scarface. <laughs> you are a dope dealer nigga. <laughs> Did anybody in your list not sell dope, nigga? Oh no, I never, I never, I never looked at it from that perspective. But yeah, that's them. Them like the five artists I like the most, though. Yeah, I really six because Scarface and Ross. But do you could go? I'd say, well, you already know my top three is gonna be Jay, Rick Ross, and Nipsey, my favorite three rappers. Uh, final two, I would have to say J. Cole yeah. and Zay. Who else do I listen to? I'm trying to think. You, you like you like Big Sean a lot. Yeah, but I I don't know if I put him in top five. 
Uh, uh, I, don't know, I, don't know. I might I might just have to leave it at that four then. I'm not I, don't, I can't think of nobody right now, but definitely top three. Oh, I might put push a T. You know, I really like push. Yeah, <laughs> I really like push a T. So we we'll see, but top three for sure. Jay Z, Rick Ross, and it. I thought she was gonna Thanks. say King Von or something. She been listening to King Von like a motherfucker. Little baby King Von. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got so many lists, that's why I don't really like do it that often. Cause like the list that I gave, I feel like those are the five best. But my but my personal favorites differ. Like Kanye's definitely if it wasn't for Kanye, man. Oh, I, I forgot about Kanye. Yeah, you know I mean, definitely, yeah. he definitely top five. He definitely my yeah. top five. Like when you talk about personal, Kanye and uh J. Cole are in my personal that I listen to the most, you know what I mean? And my six is listen to the most, yo Gotti. <laughs> oh yo Gotti, okay. I love Yeah, he like yo Gotti. A lot. Yeah, I do. Man, being being from Indianapolis, man, Yo Gotti always showed us a lot of love early, early on. So you just kind of grow up on it and they become somebody you rock with. Damn, I forgot about yeah, yeah. Ye might be top two for me out the whole now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, I, I especially being from the crib, that's he always been one of my favorites. What did, uh, this would be my final because what do you think about all the moves he making as far as business and stuff? Man, Kanye is so misunderstood, man. I be I call myself like a Kanye whisperer a little bit because I be listening <laughs> to him. I'm like, I get what he's saying. It's just people ain't gonna like it because the way that the it delivery. comes out. Man, he like what I said about Jay Z. Just Kanye's the same way. Like people, they be dogging him out and saying he's a sellout and all that. Man, look at all the black people Kanye done got rich. Man, when is when has Kanye ever put us in a position where we got hurt or where he set us up for failure? He ain't never did that. Anytime he's done something, it's because he legitimately thought that was the right thing. You know what I mean? He just is so passionate and extreme that he goes to the extreme with everything that he does. He had a thought that a lot of us have. It's like, yo, man, y'all Democrats been asking for this vote for a long time and we ain't seeing nothing. He was just like, I'm putting the hat on. I'm putting the hat on, bro. You ain't got to put the hat on, but goddamn, just to me. So he extremist. He extremist. Exactly. And so that's the thing, man. It's like he has pushed, he has pushed us forward so much. He said a quote, man. And I think about this quote probably every two weeks because it was real. He said, you're just and it's arrogant as hell, but it's the truth. He said, if they rewrote the Bible, I would be in it. <laughs> hey, and hey. When you think about world culture impact. Clothes, shoes, music, music. Nick, he would be in it. Like you can't, you can't talk about the world post two thousand and four and not bring up Kanye West. You can't. Oh, you can't. Any capacity. So I love, I love Kanye, man. I hope people continue to give him that his respect because I don't want him to be one of them people that that once something happened to him, everybody want to praise him. Nah, he's this man. This he's doing so much, man. And then it kind of goes into this like. That's kind of how I feel about the Kardashians too. Like, and I know a lot of people, especially a lot of black women don't like them, but man, they, they have been rocking with us. Like for real, when they ain't got to. And if you look at all their kids, it's like 90% black kids. That is 90% black billionaires. Like what family has created more black billionaires? <laughs> mm. Oh, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, you re- so you when you look at it 20, 30 years from now, that name, Kardashian, West, Jenner, like is going to have a tan to it. And it's going to be serious black money that's down for black issues. You know what I mean? They, they ain't going to be like the original Kardashians, but they're going to have an impact too. So I just think as black mm-hmm. people, just, just in general, man, we don't, we, we have this problem 
where if we don't agree with somebody 100%, we completely write them off and then we disrespect them. Just because you disagree don't mean that you got to disrespect. You can learn from anybody, right? We just had a dude in the White House who a lot of us didn't like, but I learned a lot from that dude, the way that he was moving and the fact that he became the leader of the free world. And he showed me how a lot of people think. And I appreciate yep. him doing that because I was able to stay away or not do business with people that I normally would have. So there's mm. always some silver lining, man. I just wish that our culture would look at things more like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I feel like that um, kind of makes me think of what Kanye was interview where he was just talking about how he hates cancel culture. And I think that's another problem, guys. Like, we're so quick to cancel everybody, but we need to be able to sit back, listen, hear other people's perspectives, and then make this decision that if you don't agree, that's okay. It ain't got to be an uproar and a big thing about it. But, you know, I think that's something big, major, we need to work on as a group. And that's what Clubhouse is. It's all, I don't agree with you, nigga, shut up. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> another space to do that. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> and, and I tell like, me, I, I typically don't like care for too much as far as like entertainers because like, like you spoke about in the beginning they don't own the stuff they doing so i'd be like i already know you ain't really you ain't really that guy for real anyway mm -hmm. but kanye is somebody like if i like if i could interview anybody with my and i have my own podcast if i could interview anybody he probably would be that that guy number one just based on everything you said everything he's doing as far as business music fashion everything within the culture like he would definitely be like number one for me so man Man, this man put his contracts on Twitter, bro. You oh, know, on Twitter, bro. <laughs> like, he, I, I don't care about the lawsuits. I don't care. Man, I'm, I'm, this needs to change. Who else would have done that? Ain't nobody else doing that. Ain't nobody. All, even all the, like, there was a rock band called Rage Against the Machine. They were against everything that was like the machine of billionaires on it. They never did that. Come on, man. Give Kanye his flowers. Facts, man, and that's and that's uh. Unless Deanna, you had any other questions? Well, I I hear what you say. <laughs> I said no, that's it for me. Oh, okay. What about you, Dorian? You had anything else that we ain't go over that you want to bring up? Nah, man, man, this was dope. I mean, anytime that y'all want to have me back, I'm always down. Like, I know that was like the introduction. Oh yeah, that we can get into. Yeah, we. Oh, we talking again. Oh, we talking again. You, you definitely coming back, and I know they're gonna feel the same way. Like, yeah, y'all need to bring him back on for sure. And I, and I definitely, man, I definitely want to talk about like uh, YouTube marking down the line, Facebook, and Instagram ads, going a little deeper on that. Okay. Because um, I, because I feel like that's something that we really, really need need to do. So, um, and for this upcoming year, man, we got a lot of stuff going on at Group Eighty Two. So, just follow me on all platforms at yeah. Dorian Group Eighty Two. Go to my YouTube, write the comments. You like it, you like it, you don't, you don't everywhere go stream the music just go hit me up if your dm's talking about something man i'll i'll uh, hit you back don't send me your music though please don't man don't do that <laughs> what about the uh packages where uh artists could buy if they want to help them out with their sales yeah, and stuff? yeah absolutely so we got packages here at group a2music.com right now they're 51 off so um as far as you get a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me where i do a full digital brand analysis and i and i break that i break everything down specific for you on what i think your next step should be um, we do a logo design. We write a biography for you if you need that. And then we got the Spotify playlist placement, which has been doing well. You know what I mean? So if you want to get playlist placements, you can go come to our website, pay for them, get that. Or go watch the video on YouTube, how to get Spotify playlist placements for free. But at bare minimum, go go to the website, download the free ebook, how to get one million streams on Spotify. That's at groupa2music.com. And for all entrepreneurs, we got an ebook, three social media strategies that actually work. 
I didn't even get a chance to get into that, but three social media strategies that actually work at group82media.com. Go download that free ebook, three social media strategies that actually work. Oh man, we definitely gonna do a part two, bro. We gonna, I'm gonna make sure we uh, stay in contact so we can line that up, man. But once again, bro, appreciate you for coming on, man. And for, and then wrapping up for those who don't know, y'all can follow me on Instagram, man, Twitter at Xavier C. Miller. And D, what's your info? You can find me on Instagram at Deanna Kent or Twitter, Deanna's Kent, Deanna S. Kent. And make <laughs> sure you follow Park Hill Capital on Instagram and Twitter. And that's all we have for you guys. Appreciate y'all tuning into another episode of the Man That Mindsets podcast. See you guys next episode. Peace. Turn me up some. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier gon' talk about it. No Deanna, speak that shit that everybody vouching. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant. I study millionaires cause I was born a visionary. You still believe in limitations? Why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper I've been Chase the greatness. I'm stacking now and balling later. In the conversation, we strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments, and sacrificing temporary sh- for bigger blessings. Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state. I multiply my grind rate and I match the way I vibrate. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it. No Deanna speak that shit that everybody vouching Ain't no more excuses valid Get up off the couch and get up in your bag To your bank account, need an accountant Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia Turn $5 into $150 instantly When you place your first wager at Bet MGM Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.